Oh, oh my God. It went from $2 to like $51 at one point. I don't know how I missed that. I was kind of out of it today. That's insane. Wait, you're talking about the camera company? Yes. Yeah. Oh, wow. Jeez. Jeez. Wow. Welcome to the Casual Drop Podcast. We are by no means experts. We are by no means experts. And they're gambling. They're not investing. They were bearish when they should have been bullish and bullish when they should have been bearish. Okay. The way that you do it is you get in it. Three, two, one, and we are live. Welcome, everybody, to the first, uh, well, you don't have a name yet, right? But no, I just wanted to, we've been talking about this for a while. Finally decided to do it in this pandemic where we have a little more time and uh, just being able to get together, honestly, and have some some good quality conversations, uh, you know, really just around investing, different ways to invest, different industries, all things investments, really. I know John and I have been in the investment world for, I don't know, seven, eight years, but we've been talking about it since high school. Do you remember, it was like one of the first times I ever was introduced to stocks. I think it was uh, Larry Gar's class. At that time, he was our head basketball coach. But I think we all got like 50 grand. I can't remember if it was an online program or something, but we had to pick a bunch of stocks and basically watch this thing grow or just blow up in the course of a term. And we were like graded off of it. I think we got like, you know, depending on how your portfolio did. And do you guys remember that? I actually... I actually think that I, I think we had to pick the stocks and track them ourselves, like in the newspaper. I I kind of dude, remember you that. are right. I do remember that now. Because <laughs> the internet like wasn't wasn't as a prominent thing where we were just no. I mean, obviously we're not that old, but like yeah, it, yeah. It I definitely wasn't say a similar memory. I want to say it was an economics class, and I remember. Maybe this was once a week because it would be tough to do every day. But I remember him having the newspaper on the wall, like taped mm. up. And then that sounds right. at that time in the financial section, you could see all the different stock symbols, which meant right. absolutely nothing. I might as well have been hieroglyphics for it's cr- for all of us. But yeah, fun. It's fun crazy because now that you guys say that, like I do remember that pretty clearly. I think you might even circle them. You know, when you walked in, it was like one of the first things you checked, which is funny because I think about being in high school. Obviously, we grew up in Oregon, so we all knew about like Nike. So I'm sure we all like invested a ton in Nike. But, you know, other than like some Coca-Cola, things like that, I couldn't imagine the different stocks that I invested in at the time. I'm trying to remember, did we have a draft? Was it like only one person could have a stock or something like that? Yep. Like you couldn't have the same stock as someone else. No. And whoever got Nike was hyped. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I'm fairly confident about this, but I think I got Google. And I came in one day and the stock price was cut in half and it's because the stock split. And I'm I'm pretty sure, not a name, I'm pretty sure Bishop was in my class with me and we both were like, what the heck is going on? Like you guys just but, thought you lost a ton of money. Exactly. Yeah. Or maybe he had that one. I can't remember. But you know, fun memories. And what's also crazy to think, like Google at that time. So would that have been? No. Let's say that was two thousand five, two thousand six, maybe right. two thousand seven. It's nuts to think that these companies, like Google, was founded in ninety eight or two thousand. I think maybe a little bit earlier. And in that twenty year, twenty year plus period. They're as big as they are. It's crazy to me. Mm -hmm. Dude, I think about this all the time because, you know, now, you know, Amber's got brothers, um, cousins, like we have little ones like growing up and I'm always trying to be like, hey, you guys have allowance, you do this stuff, like start putting it in stocks. Like, obviously, I would have never thought about that in high school. One, I had no money for sure. (laughs) But, but you know what I mean? Like, it is such a crazy thing to think about what you if you would have put you know if you would have built up a thousand bucks and put it in nike and just forgot about it what that would have turned into and so i'm always it's funny i'm always like 
whether it's her nephews, you know, up in Alaska. I'm like, you know, they want these V bucks for for Fortnite, and I'm like, man, invest that in Disney, and you can get tons of V bucks in the future. You know what I mean? Well, it was funny. So I read, I think it was a LinkedIn post, but then it linked to an article. And it was a guy who said he bought a Tesla. I think it was in 2014. And then he compared it if, and he spent a hundred grand, let's say on the Model S. Then he compared it if he had, instead of buying the Tesla, had invested in the stock. (laughs) And as you can imagine, significantly different. I think it would have been a couple million or something like that. But it does remind me as a kid, my dad had an application on the computer that would allow you to trend out compounding interest. And so you could pick a base amount and then how much you want to add monthly. And then at a certain percentage of, of appreciation or, or return, obviously that amount grows a lot. And it was nuts at the time because I was in high school. If you have a long time horizon, whether it be 50, 40 years, that amount of money can grow so much. And I mean, to your point with, with your nephews. Well, it's funny about. you brought up that Tesla example because I saw this thing the other day so i saved it and it was if in 2001 you bought 399 dollars of apple stock instead of buying the original ipod which is what it cost today that stock would be worth sixty two thousand dollars. okay but what what would the original ipod be worth (laughs) those things are relic they're kind of worth a lot now close close no i yeah it's crazy i mean i so i think so high school was like the first taste, right? The first time I remember understanding the stock market. Then I remember when we all went to college, I think it was like my first year at Oregon State. Um, all my teammates, we came across like this millionaire app, right? And then you got you, the same thing, kind of the same idea, but this time you got like 50 grand or hundred grand. Um, like, so you signed up one time and that was the money that they give you. And then you play with that. Uh, and we would always come like every day, like meetings and stuff like that we'd come to practice competing on like how our portfolio was doing uh and i think at that point i was like man this is you know there's 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 something about this stuff that like i never never had a world in and i know you were studying finance right at oregon um you and i just kind of started just always talking about different companies and uh deciding if we should invest our grant or <laughs> scholarship federal loan yeah fed loan (laughs) checks and then like the scholarship money and things like that but uh, you know i I remember i i still remember us having those conversations pretty early totally it's interesting looking back on that time too because we probably got more so or more into investing in stocks as upperclassmen so as juniors or seniors or maybe even your redshirt senior year and the markets just started roaring back And so it was really fun because, you know, in a a lot of areas, companies were doing really, really well. But yeah, never forget the memories of you and I sharing the brokerage account at Charles Schwab (laughs) and investing together. I kind of just hijacked that. What what is the legality of that? Well, I don't think it's illegal. I just don't think it's very wise for (laughs) the person who has to pay taxes on it. And it's not like <laughs> we were trading very much, but it was fun, yeah. fun times for sure. I don't even know if we knew even how to pay taxes at that point either. No, no way. It's not a chance. I do remember that, man. I would hit you up all the time. Uh, you know, it's funny and we'll get into it a little bit later about like all the different apps that you can do now, <laughs> but it was just like a, it was so hard. It was like a new translation to me, but I knew that I wanted to go in there and I'm like, deposit money. I think I was like chasing... I think it was like Chase Mobile I'd send over to you and then I'd wait for you to respond and be like, all right, man, I want to buy this. That's right. That's right. No, it was, that was fun. I mean, we continued that for a while, for a few years, I think. <clears throat> Until we struck it big on Nevro. Yeah, I think that's when we learned a little bit about uh, each other's investing styles too. Say hmm. <laughs> so you're a little more uh, level-headed and calculated. I'm just kind of like, it's the Wild West. Like, <laughs> dude, let's go after this. So for, for the listeners who are figuring out our voice, this is John, and who just spoke was, was Jordan Jenkins. And yeah, to his point, it's been interesting over the last eight, nine, 10 years doing investing together because we have completely different 
risk aversion and styles. And so as Jordan mentioned, I'll generally stick with stocks that I know will do pretty well, but won't necessarily have a huge crash or try to. And in a lot of ways, Jordan is, is different in the sense that when he sees whether it's a penny stock or another stock that potentially do really, really well, he takes a big shot at it. And I appreciate that about you in some ways, not just investing, but in life, uh, I feel like I could be a little bit less, less conservative. <laughs> so to categorize each, each person's risk profile, John is somewhat risk averse, conservative. Jordan is likes to take the risk. He actually gets a little rush off the risk. He's a little bit of a gambler. <laughs> and then I just, I'm risk oblivious. I feel nothing. <laughs> well, you're, you're all new to this game. You're new yeah, to this game. Yeah. You just Pretty, wait till you ride some of these highs and lows, you know, which is why we make a good team. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think, I think we compliment each other, uh, well with that. Like you definitely level set me and, um, you know, I think most of the stocks that I bring to you, I've done a little. It's not like I'm just for sure, for sure, jumping the gun. I've done a little bit of like research, but still, it's not. There are normally companies that either of us really have ever really heard of before that moment, and fortunately, we've had some good success. And I think we've learned a lot. Like you just were talking about a stock split, you know, in high school. Like that's still stuff. You know, people will text me and just puzzle at what happened. And I think through our experiences of whether a company gets bought out, it's like, okay, I had this amount of shares in a, in a stock and all of a sudden they got bought by another company. What does that mean? Mm -hmm. Like, I didn't know what that, what was going to happen at that point, you know? So, um, but you know, I think that's the point of us coming together. Like we're always talking about it. We have a lot of people in our circle that are starting to get into investing more. I think a lot of these platforms make it so much easier today. Uh, to whereas in old days you kind of had to have a broker and there was a, a different process or there was commission fees things like that so so really just kind of trying to navigate this um, you know hopefully you know we bring brings contribute some some uh, new ideas or things to the table and and you guys enjoy I think uh, you know I'm interested John like for you. What does investment mean to you? You know, I know it's kind of like a general question, but like obviously people have different styles and different goals and different priorities in life. But like for you, what what does that look like? I think specific to specific to stocks and let's say the financial piece of it, I think investing is about being being wise with your money in, in the sense that it's it's good to not lose money. And it's good, obviously, to have a savings account and keep cash. But at the same time, as we mentioned in the, in the beginning of the podcast, there's so much opportunity out there to really grow the, the money that you've acquired. And investing is, is the process by which you do that, right? And I think where we've found the most success is doing our research, but then also investing in companies that we, we understand and in industries that we understand, or at least have a better handle on than others. And companies that we believe in too. And really the companies that you choose to put your money into is a vote of confidence in that particular company and, and, and what they're doing from a you know future roadmap standpoint, vision and yeah, so I would say it's it's about it's, it's about how to be a good steward with your money, you know, and make sure that um, you have a better chance to, to grow assets in the future. Um, yeah, and then maybe the last piece on it too is I think what's interesting about the conversation that we might have as continuous episodes uh, happen is not just investing in stocks, but investing in other assets as well. Like we had talked about talking uh, to folks who may be expert in the shoe game and or other rare collectibles. So not necessarily just stocks. I definitely got some different avenues. Yeah, yeah, which is <laughs> which is really exciting for sure and. Also, just the the idea of, of growth and sort of a growth mindset, investing in yourself too, and the way that you spend your time. What about you guys, though? Uh, I think for me, investment means to to 
build the future that you want. And that could be for yourself as an individual or for uh, the collective uh, world. And I think they obviously go hand in hand. I think as an individual, you want to be able to create resources so that you can, for me, I want to be able to have the freedom and the resources to create the things I want to create, whether that's a business or a, you know, a creative project or things of that nature. But also, you know, when I'm looking at the bigger picture, I'm wanting to invest in companies that I think will help the world be better and not necessarily just from like a, you know, a do-gooder standpoint, like just a really realistic, like, we have problems to solve. Let's let's invest in the companies that are doing a good job solving them. You know, so I think for me, I'm super interested in future of agriculture and farming and food production in general, food delivery. I'm interested in transportation, electric cars, autonomous vehicles, uh, robotics, AI, that things of that nature, how we can like really create a world that we want to live in. It's kind of how I view it. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a big part, I think, of this podcast, too, is uh, we're not in it, obviously, making profits and making money off this is a big part of it. But it is a lot about, like, why we're investing and what we're investing in and kind of what those companies do and how we believe in that. You know, like, we're not ever really talking about companies that we don't truly believe in i mean yes there's some that pop up here and there but whether it's like electric vehicle market i mean the reason why we love those so much is kind of the mission it's trying to accomplish and obviously there's a lot of issues in the world right now and it's figuring out how to contribute to those like investing is part of that right so investing is not just trying to make your money and your time work in your favor but you're contributing to something that you hope grows and, you know, hopefully that's that's better in the world in a way. Right. I think one thing that's crazy through investing and getting into this stuff is like how much more aware you become of things in the world. Right. Like we'll it's get participation. Into it, like when you right, like when you start researching stocks or getting into companies or um, I mean, think about it like a sports team. Right. That's how I think about it. Like I'm a big Philadelphia Eagles fan, big Portland Trailblazer fans, right? Those are those are my teams. Like that, I've invested stock in that for you know being a fan. But then you take that and you apply it to like a world of uh, you know investing in a company. It's like that you're you're a fan of that team and you want to watch them grow. Uh, obviously, that benefits you from a financial standpoint. But um, just what you learn through researching companies, researching industries. Uh, I feel like it opens a door to investing in your mind as well. I mean, it kind of sounds cliche, but like, no, really, I, I, I can't, you know, like I've started, I've started reading different books about certain industries because I've been interested in it. And just through that, like, I feel not just like I have a better grasp for what those companies are doing, but maybe where the trend is going or where we're going, you know, from a society standpoint. Yeah. Well, you know, just like any good company too, it really does force you to stay up to speed on current events and to try to get a handle on what people care about and where value is going to come from, which, you know, any good company is, is trying to deliver. One of the things that I thought of when you're speaking that is actually super important to me is the topic of personal finance. And I hope, and I, I know probably won't you know spend too much time covering detailed specifics on that, but I would hope that some of what we've learned and you know potentially failed in, like using student loan checks for investing in stocks, could, could help someone else. And I just I think that financial struggle is such a burden on on many, and I feel like I've been there a little bit myself at times. Uh, or even just the practical piece, financial struggle is one of the biggest reasons for a divorce or reasons for relationships to not work or there to be stress in a family. And I think if you ask the question of, okay, why why do you invest? Well, of course, some of the stuff that we hit on earlier of 
you want to invest in companies that you want to have staying power and be around and help improve the world. But it's this also idea that you want to generate wealth or as much as you can. And I think a synonym for wealth is freedom. And the more freedom you have, obviously, you can you can make the decisions and choices that you want to make, kind of like what you were talking about, Vita, and how um, you want to be able to make – you choose how you spend your time and work on projects that really move you and you're passionate about. So it's something that I'm sure we'll cover in the podcast as well. Yeah, and that, that actually um, brings me to kind of a question that I wanted to ask you guys. I think – you know, personal finance is an interesting topic because, you know, a lot of times the argument about people complaining about how like our schools are doing a bad job of teaching people about personal finance, which is like obviously a very critical part of life. I hear a lot of the arguments I hear from a very selfish perspective, but I kind of look at it differently. I kind of feel like you know, when people are under financial stress, they are not performing at their best for whatever they're doing. And I think that we as a country and then as a world want everybody performing at their best. My question is kind of like, one, like, why does a company want to be publicly traded? What's the the reasoning behind that? And And then what is the incentive once they've raised that first round you know once they've sold that first initial offering of stock what is their incentive to want the price to go up and i part i part of it i know is like people that work there and people that started it have stock in the company so right is that correct so they want the value for it, sure it, no question it helps their yep. own value um and I think that's just interesting from a system perspective because capitalism is obviously far from perfect. But like at the end of the day, what we're really trying to do is set up a system that rewards people for solving problems. It's been hijacked a little bit for sure. But so, but I know that's kind of like a, a run on question, but. What was the, what was the first the, part? The, the actual question is, you know, why does this company want to become publicly traded and, and sell stock? And then what is gotcha. their incentive yeah. to keep the price going up? One thing, you know, if you're, if you're not quite in the stock world, but you, you kind of hear this term a lot is the, is the IPO. Like people go wild over IPOs, right? It's basically the initial public offering. It's when a company decides, you know, they've been private, they've had private funded investors, you know, different institutions, um, to help fund their company thus far. And now they're ready to, you know, open up to the public and allow the public to buy shares of their company. The idea behind this is, you know, they're gonna create a lot more, um, you know, capital, like cash on hand by people buying the stocks. Uh, you know, it's just, a, it's a huge growth thing, right? I mean, companies set out and they wanna do so, so, so many it's different raising, things. And, it's raising money that's not a loan, essentially, right? Because there's no interest on it. So that's right. why you'd want to do that. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and so it's when companies decide they want to give up some ownership, you know, to the public. Um, there's a lot of different things that go into that, right? Because when you're private, you don't need to report to Wall Street, right? There's a little bit less pressure. Um, like you'll hear different you know, like Elon, I'm sure we'll talk about him a lot, but, you know, he always like kind of regretted taking Tesla public because now you watch Tesla in the news all the time and everything influ in, you know, fluctuates the stock or um, he just has to appeal to the shareholders, right? Mm -hmm. You know, because people now have this ownership in it and they want to see it go up. They want to see the profit behind it. So there, there's the pros and cons of, of going public, but yeah, it's to raise more cash flow so that they can you know, expand on what they're trying to do. You know, if they're trying to build another facility and they need more cash on hand without, you know, with, with trying to avoid the idea of going into more debt. Mm -hmm. And I'll take, I'll take the second part of the question. And I think that's, that is a really thoughtful question. And I haven't thought about that in a while, but the fact that 
a stock price can go up or said a different way, a company can become more valuable is the incentive for people to, to put their money in in the first place. And the reason why a stock can raise in value is because companies can grow. And as they do that, it's a supply and demand thing. And as a stockholder, which also means, in other words, you're a part owner in that company or you have some share of equity as that company grows, whether it be you know, an Amazon or some of the tech companies over the last 10 years, uh, as does the value of your share. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. it's even like it, interesting to add to John's point, too, is like there's companies that are trying to grow their valuation so that they could sell. You know, the more that they're worth, the more that they can sell for, you know, not every company is like trying to be an Amazon and just take over the world. Um, they're trying to get bought by an Amazon or something like that, you know, get an offer. That's- and these are publicly traded companies that are trying to sell. Yeah, I mean, I'm not I'm not saying all companies, but there is a there's definitely that's an aspect of the valuation going up. And but if you so if more. you own stocks in a company and it sells, say Amazon buys it, do you now own, still do you still own stocks or did Amazon buy that from you? No. So this is John. This is probably one of the early stocks that we invested in that I learned this lesson. And it's a it's normally a good lesson. I don't know if it ever is a bad lesson other than maybe a company not getting bought out at a share price that you would want. But, you know, typically, you know, say a a company is trading at 40 bucks a share and a a company can, another company like an Amazon could come in and evaluate their business and maybe buy them for $46 a share. Right. So then what happens is whatever ownership you have in that company, however many shares, it's just basically now it's just cash that you have. Gotcha. So there's no more ownership in the company. Right. Um, you know, you're not now a part owner of Amazon. Um, okay. So that'd be one reason. Be- because part of my question is I've been listening to um, Scott Galloway's podcast quite a bit. And he is obviously has, if you've heard him, has a very opinionated and interesting perspective. But um, one thing he was talking about is just like a lot of stock values right now, you know, he feels like are overvalued. And so part of how much a stock is worth is what people think of that company, not necessarily tied to how the company is actually performing. Oh, no question. Right. And so so then it becomes a little weird because like the value is not really tied to anything real. It's a future expected value. Yeah. And I would say, I mean, John, let me know if you agree with this. I, I do think we need to throw a disclaimer out. We're by means no experts here. I think we've just spent, you know, close to a decade in in investments and in the markets to have a good general knowledge. And I think we've like we've had we've been fairly successful in the things that we've invested in. And typically it is for, you know, a longer span of time. So, you know, we'll we'll definitely say things that might not be true. So, you know, always hold us hold us to a that accountability. Um, but you know, kind of what, what I was trying to get to John is like, I would say now more than I've ever seen it, like the market through this pandemic has been more of like speculative, like future valuations of companies, not really tied to like profitability. Like it's always, it's the stocks have been rising and falling based on could be a tweet. It could be some report or just what's going on. I mean, you look at, even something like a pandemic where all these people are going to the grocery store now, then all of a sudden you see a lot of stocks that distribute to grocery grocery stores like can go up. It doesn't necessarily mean that's going to be the, but it, but I would say right now there's this speculation. There's so much like this idea of people missing out on like huge growth in these companies, but they might not be tied to exactly what like the stock price doesn't reflect the actual, if you were to look in that, instant in that moment to what the company is valued yeah isn't it so interesting and i want to hit upon two points you made one just to circle back on and i wish we had mentioned it at the beginning of the pod so if we had listeners that didn't make it this far they would have heard this (laughs) yeah absolutely (laughs) not experts in any way and from a duty of care standpoint 
<laughs> take everything yeah, with a grain legal. of salt. <laughs> I think for legal reasons, we'll have a, a an actual disclaimer as part of the intro sequence. We might need to hire just an actual, yeah, somebody just to fact we need check to, it. We need to talk to a lawyer too, probably. <laughs> That'd be yeah. pretty entertaining. And then to your point, yeah, it is really interesting because you read books by some of these old time, very famous investors like a Warren Buffett or... Uh, uh, you know, uh, other uh, other investors, Ben Graham, and they historically used formulas to evaluate companies like the Black-Scholes model or other ways to evaluate companies that are diamonds in the rough. And now those formulas and just don't work anymore. And I actually don't really even know why, but you see some of the biggest companies in the world, like even Amazon, Amazon doesn't show a huge profit every year. They're profitable now, but they kind of changed the model to where they pretty much invest back everything that they make and pay a very, very, very small amount in taxes. And then of course you have the majority of smaller enterprise tech companies that that often lose money. They might not lose every year, but very common to lose money in a given quarter. And... I don't really know why that. I think maybe it's because tech companies, the potential, it's not just tech either, but the potential future for some of these companies is so great. The only problem with that is you're investing in, you know, a singular company that might not be profitable in this instance and might have a long road to profitability, but it's still valued very high. There's no guarantee of that future. Like even more so than the, the broader market in general. Um, I think like one great example we were talking about it a little bit earlier is is Kodak. Yes, you know Kodak gets a lot of funding for what's going on right now to help with some of the distribution stuff and their stock, which they've been struggling, you know, as a company for, uh, you know, honestly, I think it's been like twenty, thirty years. Yeah, twenty, thirty <laughs> like- years, just hanging on, and all of a sudden, you know, they get during this pandemic, they're chosen to be a company that gets funding and all of a sudden you see the stock shoot up to like $51, like overnight, you know what I mean? And, and there's nothing necessarily that supports that stock price, right? It's just this high, it's hype. It's crazy. You know, I think with social media and everything that's around, but also that can work to your, your favor. And I think that's what we kind of get to with some of this stuff is like by doing your research, you know, yeah, there's, there's some unicorns and things like that, that are just like to tell you what to buy, and sell at the perfect price is never going to happen, right? It's just timing is is everything for sure. But but I think if you do do some of your research and due diligence on some of this stuff, and and you kind of hang out because like that that's what's crazy is like companies cannot be profitable, but their stock can still rise because their outlook is good or what what you know what they have going on in the future is is a great thing. So there's there's important aspects that it's not just like seeing a stock rise and then deciding you want to buy it or hearing a story about it. It's like, all right, you know, hopefully we can help with some of that, but it's like learning about some of these stocks and industries and what's going to make a move or where we're going in the future. It's crazy. It's a wild game, man. Like, it, <laughs> yeah, like we talk about it, but you know, get, getting back to a little bit about the, the personal finance, I want to make a note is like people, you know, like they want to take ownership in, and like their money. And so where I was kind of getting with that, because it's a question I got, I get a lot. And I also feel like we didn't necessarily do it the right way, but it's kind of like, well, how much is enough to invest? Or like, I don't feel like I have that much. Like, should I start investing or what should I do? I I feel like that's a pretty common question. Um, We just invested basically money we didn't have, like we would be in debt or college loans or things like that. And I, I'm not saying that's the way to go, but you know, what, what do you think kind of looking back at it now, if I was somebody that was like, I don't know if I have enough money, what, you know, what would you say? Really good question. I think it's important to note in my perspective, again, you know, more of the conservative arm here, my perspective may be different, but I think it's, it's important that for whatever amount of money that you're being speculative with, or even picking individual stocks like what we're talking about, that it not be 
a large per- percentage of everything you have. And those percentages can vary, of course, based upon your situation. But what that means is if you're entirely in debt, you essentially have no percentage because everything you would have is owed to someone else. So in that instance, you know, apart from you have a really, really, really good idea, <laughs> it's, it's probably not worth taking a shot on something. Even if you have money in, in your bank account, if you have a loan out, whether it be student loans, car loan, whatever, might make more sense to pay that. But uh, what I would say, it's the the process that, that we're talking about, which is you know, getting research and information on you know, companies that you think are interesting is valuable regardless. And then in terms of how much you should be investing, depends upon your, your investment picture. Right. Ideally, in a perfect world, you're paying your debt off before you start investing, you know, hopefully sooner than later. But that's, it's a tough thing. Like, it's a tough thing to think about, like, college loans, all that stuff, and what's right to what's right to pay off, what's right to invest. I think luckily when I first, when I had my first job and there was a, like a 401k matching, I mean, that was my intro to retirement and I didn't know anything about it, but I had a boss that was in the stock market. He was pretty savvy with that stuff. And he's just, he's like, whatever the company throws at you, you you match that, right? That's free money that they're giving you. So certain things like that are definitely important. You know, when it comes to stock investing, it's crazy now, man. You can buy fractional shares. You can, it's just so much easier to invest, you know, and we'll talk about some of our apps. Like I remember when I, when I first started, you know, you had that Charles Schwab account. And I, when I opened up my own account, uh, you know, it was, I think Robinhood was probably my first one, maybe E-Trade and then, and then Robinhood, but their big thing was like no commissions on the, or no uh, fees on the trade, right? Which was a big thing. I, I don't know what the fees were, John, cause you handled our joint account, but like, what were the fees when you traded and Charles Schwab? Like, like probably eight, when we, eight bucks. Nine yeah, bucks. you know, and so which relative to our portfolio is actually somewhat substantial, right? <laughs> like if you're trading a couple times, a well, and eight bucks is especially at that time period in time, it wasn't wasn't eight like chickens, man. wasn't a lot of yeah pocket chicken. That's like a local moco at at local. Oh place. man, I think you still need a couple more dollars, but it's pretty close. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so, so like that idea, right? Robinhood was a, is a great tool to, to get into investing. It's, it's probably one of my favorite platforms, uh, for just this idea of like making it more user-friendly and just making it easier. I think that's the big thing is it seems like it could be intimidating. Like had I not had you in the sense of like you had a familiarity around Charles Schwab, I wouldn't know what to do, like what to do. So yeah, I there's, think, I mean, there's terms in there, like market buy, stop loss is for sure. And, you know, yeah, and we'll definitely cool. like cover that stuff and whether it's future episodes or, or what, but you, you know, so that, that's my thing is like, start with the, the research part of it, you know, start with getting familiar with like companies you would want to buy into and then, you know, start putting small amounts aside. Like I said, buying fractional shares, that, that's kind of a, a big deal. Like you don't have to buy a full share of Tesla if you want to, or Amazon, if you want to invest in this stock, you can now buy fractional shares, which, you know, you could, you could buy $20 into Amazon and, and just continue to, to grow that stuff. So I think you made a bunch of really good points. As fun as it is to pick a stock that does really, really well, or you know, you pick a stock and there's a great earnings report and it skyrockets. I think we've talked about this before. That's like the adult grown man version of hitting a home run or scoring a touchdown. Not that I have a ton of experience in those areas. It's really exciting. What feels even better is paying off your debt, whether it be all of it or a sliver of it, you know, both have very significant places in, in your personal finance picture. And another thing you mentioned, retirement accounts. If you have a company that's providing, whether it be you know 401k, 403b, that are matching money you're putting in, even in debt, that's, that's arguable and it can make a ton of sense because even if there's a zero return, you're doubling your money for, for the money that's matching. So I think that's a really good point to mention too. Yeah. So, I mean, kind of based on, on your goals and what you're trying to achieve 
out of this stuff. I, I think for us, right, like in what we kind of want to get across, like we're not trying to give tips to turn a profit in five days or whatever it is. I mean, this is stuff that's, you know, more longer term years. It's kind of having a plan to to invest in those things and then like hunker down a little bit, like stay in it, see what's going on. But it's not necessarily something that you're looking to buy and then panic sell or whatever it is, you know, right away. So if Robinhood, Jordan, is the main app that you're using for trading, where are you getting your research from or what are some of the places you like to go for that? Yeah, I mean, that we could spend an episode on the different things that you could look up or use. Um, Robinhood does the, do a good job just alone on their on their site. Like when you look up different stocks, there's a lot of like articles and tickers. You can see earnings reports. You can see a lot of that stuff on there. My favorite and it's my go-to like every morning is Yahoo Finance. I just like the layout of it and feel of it. You know, you can kind of put your watch list of stocks together um, and then you get like a news feed on any articles or thing that are that comes out on those companies. Uh, really good. I think like financial history and I love the, I love the forum. Like forum is one of my favorite places to go. Not necessarily to, to like get advice, but it, it's a fun, it's a fun thing to get into certain forums on the stocks, like the conversations and just see the crazy stuff people are saying. And, and then just like a lot of this, just company websites. If I hear about something, Normally the first thing I do is like go to the website of the company, kind of get a feel of it, see what the, you know, they have an investor tab or about the company or things like that. Um, and then, then I'll probably go to like the stock ticker and see how they've been doing. Yeah. Similar. So I like the, I think it's called snacks, but the, the email that comes out from Robinhood where they yeah. summarize a couple big, a couple big themes in the market. I'm big on, Someone giving me three things. I don't need to know everything about everything, but if I get the big ones, I feel like I can you know, talk shop on a call with friends or whatever. Um, so I like that a lot. I end up using Google Finance quite a bit just because from there you can get anywhere and they generally do a pretty good job of covering hot topics on popular companies, popular threads, but then also market-like news. And then on that page, I have just like I would on my phone in Robinhood, let's say, um, have a bunch of different companies that I frequently look at. So it's you know interesting to see how they're doing and whether I'm invested in them or not. Uh, it's fun to go look at every morning. And I mean, probably probably like you, but it's it's a daily rhythm for me. And we're on the West Coast, but 6.30, 6.31, I'm hitting the Google Finance page yeah. and I'm on my computer. Oh, before that, man, and the pre-market. I love, I love. Okay, the, nice. The pre-market's doing. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really fun. And I think that is a good idea as well, that what we are talking about on this and obviously taking the time to do a podcast on it, we think is, is entertaining and fun as well. And um, if you're not having fun while looking at and checking out companies or maybe funds, not the right word, but if it's if it's something that feels like a drag there's, there's a bunch of other ways to get invested in the market too yeah and i mean that that's an important point like the stress if you're someone that invests in a company and then you're like i have some people that text me all the time when a stock goes down they're like should i sell should i sell you know and it's 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 a tough thing it's one of those things where you just if you're checking it every day you just got to be okay knowing that there's going to be 10 percent swings 20 percent swings um you know depending on what you're invested in but the idea of like checking in every day and then feeling sick or getting stressed that you're losing money or whatever it is, it, that's a, that's a tough deal. Um, what about do you Jordan? guys? What do you beat up banner widen? We're not sure what we're going to call you. Yeah. We're not, or me. So I'm just going to, you can just be beat up. I'll use all of them. Just make it easy. Uh, the, since you've been hearing John and I talk over the last like couple of weeks about this podcast, like I know you started getting into buying some, like what, what's stuck with you as far as we're talking about different things. I mean, you got that fresh perspective of, I know you've always been interested in what companies are doing, but maybe not so much as the stock part of it, but what have you turned to as being something that's helpful for you? I, I invested a very small amount of money on cash app just to play. Like, you know, it's not, and part of me is like, damn, if, if I had invested actually 
you know, a chunk of money, I'd be doing pretty well right now because I, it's been, I, I've seen some pretty significant gains in the few stocks that I bought. But most days it's gone up a little bit or stayed the same. But there's been a few days where it's gone down. And it's funny because like, you know, being new to it, like every little percentage increase is kind of a little rush of, yeah, let's fucking go. But then when I had the first like dip, if it felt bad, you know, it was like, it was like $4, you know, like, but I was like, damn, like, cause it, it feels like losing. It feels like when it's going up, it feels like winning when it's going down, it feels like losing. So then I was like, okay, um, I could see how that could be dangerous. You don't want to be a, t- I, you know, it's fun if you can have a perspective and like, you can still get a little bit of enjoyment of it, but I think you do have to not be attached to it in that way. Cause I think that could be be very dangerous um i think almost the fear of like the opportunity cost for me is worse than like losing money no knowing that i sold and then seeing a company then take off <laughs> or just didn't that, invest. you know it's just it's or just yeah, didn't invest yeah, yeah. or didn't in invest tesla, like, like talked about it dude like i there's so many times you and i talked about tesla when we should get in and and you know just not doing it and then kicking yourself um about it but you know that's part of the the deal is those are the the risks you take and or you don't take um you got to have a a mindset going into it that it's you know like warren buffett always talks about like the when the fear happens and people start selling you know that's when to start buying or not necessarily like on every stock but i mean fear is a real thing and people catch wind of things going down you know then the whole crowd goes to it, right? But typically market tends to correct itself. And so it's just kind of like understanding that and and being okay with the other idea too, I, I think is funny, is like a lot of the the time is like with stocks, it's like you're it's still your money. Like sometimes I feel like when I have conversations, like people think like they're giving their money away, which like you are, it's not something that you have tangible, but like, yeah, you could invest in a stock and then you could sell it the next day. You're just giving away control. Right. Right. You know, of but that what happens to the it. idea is like, yes, you full control. You can anyways. buy a stock and there's not a time limit on how long you need to hold that stock. I mean, there are some tax implications that we'll cover. Um, you know, depending on the timing in which you sell and if you made profit or losses. Uh, but it's not something where, you know, like your four oh one K where you're putting that money in there and you gotta wait till you're retiring to pull it out you know so i would say robin hood that's i'd say is a good place to start if you haven't you know you haven't really ever gotten to that world or you're interested in it i think it's a great platform i know john that you've been talking to me about another one that you use that i think it's titan tell like just maybe talk a little bit about that it's a great app actually you know my hope is we can grow this audience on this podcast enough to where we can get one of their founders on because I think they're doing some really, really cool stuff. But Titan is another app for investing. Similar in the sense that it's very, very easy to invest and you can you can put in money, you know, swipe of a finger, just like you can trade on Robinhood. But it's it's a managed portfolio. So the design is that you can set the amount of money. I think there might be a minimum. There may be a $500 minimum, but you can set the amount of money that you want invested in Titan and then Titan will create a little fund for you that's a collection of 20 different stocks. So you're well diversified. It's generally very popular companies, Amazon's in there, Google, and others. And then they, one of the cool things they do is they give why they invested in every company and a breakdown on financials and other you know, relevant information and show how the stocks are doing. So it's a good way to get started and to shoot for a market like return while not risking, you know, all the money that you want to invest in one particular company. The model is for that. It's a managed fund. So you, you do pay a percentage on what you put in as a management fee. But uh, yeah, like I said before, good, good way to get started. And that's not my entire portfolio, but I definitely have some money in Titan and it's, it's done really, really well. So when you say managed fund, does that mean they're like, it's, the fund is changing yes over time like buying and selling different stocks 
Yeah, so it's completely curated by their management team. And then another thing that's pretty unique is, and this is maybe, I haven't seen it in action yet, but they have a, a built-in hedge, which is a way to protect, they say protect your downsides so of the market tanks or vice versa, it, it will the hedge will act opposite of what's happening. And so there's some protection if there's going to be a, a big market swing, you know, either way. I'm very and so there's kind of an AI component there too. I was gonna say I'm very familiar with the hedging when it comes to sports betting, which is another investment we'll cover on another podcast. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> <Heck> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, no, I mean I think you know, like I said, we we hope that this can kind of open the door for anyone listening to just get them more curious about the investing world. I know we cover stocks a lot. It's it probably will cover a lot in the future, but there's a lot of different ways. Um, to invest as well that we'll cover, you know, whether it's real estate or even art or like we said, sneakers, which is another thing that I love to, to get into. So, um, you know, more, more episodes to come this podcast, definitely we need uh interaction. So we, we want to hear what the audience, you know, if you have questions or, you know, any sort of feedback, um, or things that you want us to cover and kind of get into, um, we would love to do that. So, we're going to try to release these, you know, weekly, bi-week, bi-weekly, um, who knows? I think we're going to do long episodes, short episodes. So uh, feedback is needed. And I know we'll get them from certain people regularly. Feedback, questions, <laughs> feedbacks, Critiques. questions. If you want to tell us we're fucking idiots. Fact checks. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're all, it's all welcome. It. That's what this is about, man. We just want to have conversations and, uh, you know, I'm learning. Like I learned from you guys. Uh, it's just a good time to sit down, no distractions, have some conversations and uh, kind of see where we get. We out. <laughs>